This segment is brought to you by Matt Bates for Movement Mortgage, NMLS number 844154. Movement Mortgage supports equal housing opportunity, NMLS number 39179, nmlsconsumeraccess.org. You're locked into the Despirito Team Real Estate Show with host and top realtor Emilio Despirito on News Radio 920 and 1047 FM. We're talking with industry leaders about real estate trends, money making tips, and advice on buying and selling the American dream. Now, here's Emilio Despirito. Hey, how's it going, everybody? This is John LaPointe from LaPointe Insurance. I'm filling in for Emilio today. This is the Despirito Team Real Estate Show. This is your show for all things real estate in the great state of Rhode Island and surrounding areas where we have some of the top professionals here telling you all the things you want to know and need to know about real estate, buying, selling, investing, mortgages, and on that tone, we have Matthew Bates here from Movement Mortgage, one of the top experts for mortgages in the state of Rhode Island. Matt, thanks for joining the show. Yes, thank you. Happy Sunday, everybody. Hope everybody's kicking off 2021 with uh, some uh, some solid New New Year's resolutions and some uh, goals. And uh, looking forward to taking on the year. Um, hopefully, getting back to some sort of normal. Um, but yeah, glad to be here. Thanks, John. Absolutely, man. And, and uh, as always, you got some really great information to share. Um, this is an interesting topic, something that I've you know, considered myself, and uh, I think a lot of people are probably interested to know about some of the pros and cons between a 15-year versus a 30-year mortgage. Yeah, so um, it's, a, it's a constant conversation right now. Uh, values of homes are up. Um, rates are down people are looking to refinance. Um, they're used to paying higher mortgage payments because of their rates, maybe in the fours, maybe in the fives, I've seen some even higher, believe it or not, but they're used to, and their monthly budget is based around a higher payment. And maybe they had mortgage insurance included in their payment. So now when they're taking advantage of the rates and the market and whatnot, they're looking to get into a, a conventional no PMI mortgage. Um, typically, it's a 30-year mortgage, but I'm having more and more conversations about what a 15-year mortgage would look like and whether it's beneficial or not. Um, and, uh, and so I, I thought it was a good topic to talk about today. Um, and obviously, if anybody has more questions after listening to our show today, please feel free to reach out. Um, I want to start off by saying this is a, a bit of an opinionated uh, uh, topic. Um, there's not a right answer or wrong answer. Um, it really comes down to the customer's ability to qualify for a 15 year versus a 30 year, but also what their uh, opinion is and what's most comfortable for them. Um, I'm a big believer of looking at the different options, option A, option B, option C, and then picking the one that best suits the, 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 the situation that the customer may be in. Um, with that being said, um, I'm a bigger fan of the 30-year fixed because of the flexibility of the terms and the conditions um, with the 30-year. The, the rate is slightly higher than it would be for a 15-year mortgage. So that's an attractive thing for the 15 years. Okay, you get a better interest rate. Um, but with these mortgages, uh, there's no prepayment penalties. So if you're comfortable paying the 15-year mortgage, which is going to be a higher monthly payment than the 30-year, but you take out the 30 year mortgage, you can still make the 15 year payment and manually turn your mortgage 
into a uh, a 15 year mortgage, but just by making right. a payment, you can just, you can make additional principal only payments exactly. on your monthly. Yeah. And the reason why I'm the bigger fan of that is because in the event that you have a housing budget increase in emergency of the holidays, you go on vacation, you need to buy a new car. Um, the kids are in college now. Um, these are all things that happen over 30 years, over 15 years. I mean, they're lifestyle things that it really can't be predicted to, you know, sometimes people can predict when they're going to buy a car, but you know, if there's a, a health emergency or, you know, you're not sure when you're going on vacation, I mean, a lot can happen over that time frame. Um, you can peel back on making the, the, the higher 15 year mortgage payment and just be required to meet your minimum, which is your 50, 30 year mortgage. So that flexibility of like deciding when you're going to pay and how much you're going to pay it down to just the 30 year mortgage, is a is a is a powerful thing to to be in control of as the homeowner. Whereas if you go for the lower interest rate, higher monthly payment for a 15 year term, you're always required to make that 15 year payment no matter what. And if you don't, then you're going to have credit issues coming on the back end. So the flexibility for me is major. You know when I'm ex, you know kind of going over and advising people what the different options are are a detail. Um, and, and why they should really think about doing the 30 year and maintaining the control of when they're actually paying the mortgage. There's no penalty to paying off the mortgage early. So if you're very aggressive by making a 15 year payment with the requirement of only, you know, the 30 year, but you're, you, you can pay more than that, you'll turn it into a 15 year mortgage and you'll, you'll be fine. You know, there's no, there's no issue with that. And, uh, the bank, it certainly is not going to be upset with you or charge any penalties. And, and, you know, from what I've seen, the rates on 30-year fixed mortgages are really good to begin with, you know? Yeah, I just pulled um, out a refinance. It was 2.875 for the 30-year and 2.25 for the 15-year. I mean, 2.25 is awesome to hear, but it was like five or $600 more a month in the payment. And that's not small money that's not so small chunk of change and although it might be comfortable today to do it you know you never know what life brings you and you don't want to be handcuffed you can always refinance get into a 30-year you know in the event that you really need to so you know yeah. your options are not just cut off but why pay closing costs again for another refinance? exactly and i know when somebody's sitting down with you and, and going through the process you can show them too all right this is what you're going to be making in interest payments over the life of the mortgage compare them side by side and and you're right the when you comes down to it the difference is probably not that great if you just take that 30-year mortgage put the extra money into the principal over that you know 15-year period of time but maintain the flexibility so that right. if you're not yeah another Another point that was that was uh, that's really important that some people might not think of is that if you have plans to buy future homes, whether it's an investment property or a second home, or you know financing, you're trying to get into you know co-borrower for uh, your 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 parents or your or your or your children, and you need to get in in order to qualify, you know, help that situation qualify and to close. If you're fixed on the 30-year, if you're on the 15-year mortgage you'll qualify for less money because you have to make that minimum 15 year payment. Whereas if you're in the 30 year, the payment is smaller, therefore allows you to fi get financing for more of a loan in a different scenario, whether it's that investment property or, or, or you know, second home, vacation home. Some people 
want to buy in, in, in the mountains in, in, in New England or they want to buy in Florida by the beach, uh, you know, you'll, we're going to take into consideration your housing payment for your current home. And if it's higher because it's a 15 year mortgage, you'll qualify for less money on the, on the, on the secondary property. So if that's another conversation is like, do you have any plans to buy in a future house, you know, another house? Now there's some people that make more than enough money and well, live well below their means and they can do the 15 and they can buy the second home and that's great. And that's where my opinion might change for somebody like that. But you know, someone that's kind of living in that, that average range of housing expense and you know, they, they want to do the right thing and, 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 and pay the mortgage off as soon as possible. Uh, the, whether you do a 15 or 30 or you can still pay that mortgage off just as fast. Um, as you would, but you maintain that control and flexibility is my opinion. You know, someone might disagree with me about it. I'd love to talk to them about it and figure out, you know, where they're coming from because it just makes me a better rounded loan officer. But until we have those conversations, this is, you know, what I wanted to share on and you know, um, so yeah, there's no right or wrong way to do it. It's just what's the best way for the scenario. And uh, that's what we're here to talk out. So that way we, we educationally pick the right way. Yeah, absolutely, man. And it's, it's a different way of thinking it because I was coming in here on this topic thinking you were going to come in and say, you know, 15 years, the rates are much better. There's, you know, a, a lot of, you know, benefits to doing this and you kind of flipped it on its head and convinced me that there's actually, you know, a lot of reasons why maybe you shouldn't be doing that and just take the, <laughs> you know, the longer mortgage, maintain that flexibility. Even those points that you just made, it's, it's true. And on paper, you have this monthly payment that's much higher. Um, it can make things a lot more challenging for you, whether you're trying to finance, you know, something else, another home or a co-borrow, you know, on somebody else's loan in your family or whatever it's, it, it makes a lot of sense. So uh, great information as always, man. Yeah, man, that's what I'm here for is to kind of think about it from a different angle sometimes, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, I, there are some other reasons I know that we're limited on time, but like, again, if anybody has any questions or if anybody would love to have a conversation with me about it, I encourage all of them, whether you agree with me or disagree with me, please reach out. Um, you know, I'm always available cell phone through the website for the radio show, like however we, you guys, you know, want to chat about it, we're available to, uh, to have those conversations. Absolutely, man. And uh, your wealth of knowledge, as always, appreciate you coming on. If you want to talk to Matt more about your mortgage options, uh, talk about 15 year, 30 year, compare your options and get a really uh, good conversation going about what's best for you. You can find Matt at the rimortgageguy.com or Matt, your phone number, right? 401-266-4416. Um, give Matt a call, find his website. He'll be happy to help you. Thanks again for joining, man. Yeah, no problem. You guys have, have a good week. We'll uh, catch you the next time and uh, stay warm out there. You too. Thanks, man. All right, see ya. Now back to the Despirito Team Real Estate Show on News Radio 920 and 1047 FM. Also available as a podcast on iHeartRadio. Hey, this is John LaPointe filling in for Emilio Despirito today on the Despirito Team Real Estate Show. This is your show for all things real estate in the great state of Rhode Island and surrounding areas. We've got some awesome guests on the show today. Right now we have Dan Anderson from Green Home Solutions on the line. Dan is gonna be telling us about one of the most uh, unpleasant questions that you could have probably, and that is why is it raining in your attic, but not outside, Dan? Uh, hey, John, good morning. Thank you for having me. Uh, 
this topic came to me when it happened during an inspection. Actually, has happened three times to me in the past month, uh, wow. doing inspections in an attic. So I pop, pop the scuttle, I move it aside, and I start to climb in, and I notice that something is dripping on me. And it had been cold the previous night. I get my flashlight, and I look around, and I see the roofing nails are all, they look like icicles. They're all covered with ice. And then I look at the sheathing, and the sheathing is actually like a skating rink. And, oh my God. And there is, it's not due to a leak. Uh, the, the roof is, is fine. The flashing is fine. It's not leaking. What it is, is a ventilation problem in the attic. The, uh, a, proper, a proper attic insulation job allows for air to flow in from soffit vents, travel up the bays, and then escape out of a ridge vent because mold grows through humidity. Uh, and humidity enters from beneath and it rises, it enters mostly from the basement, rises until it is trapped. And if you don't have that ridge vent for it to escape, and then the soffit vents to allow for the escaped air to be replaced, and then a convection effect happens, it stays trapped in there. Now you have your insulation on the top of the ceiling, but you don't have it on the uh, sheathing. So the sheathing and the roofing nails actually freeze. Now that humidity is trapped. It, uh, it turns into ice. And then as it warms up in the day, it melts. And it melts all the, the, <laughs> the roofing nails actually drip uh, and down like rain. And then the ice that is formed on the sheathing the sheathing just gets soaked. And that is a recipe for mold growth because mold needs the moisture to grow. Uh, so what do you do? You get, you make sure that you have that proper, proper ventilation. If you have a bathroom fan, you must vent it through the roof, not through the soffits, because if you put it through the soffits and it escapes out the soffits, it can then uh, be sucked back in through the surrounding soffits. Uh, now, so you have to put it through the roof. If you, then, it, then you have to have the, the ridge vent that allows it to escape. And if you have gable vents, so you have soffit vents and they're coming up, the air is coming up and traveling out the bay, up the bay and then out. But if you have on the sides of the house, gable vents, it interrupts with that airflow. So you seal off your soffit, uh, your gable vents and just rely upon the airflow from the soffits to the, to the ridge. And then you don't get it to rain in your, in your attic, which, uh, which would lead to either me or one of my competitors coming in and uh, giving you an estimate mold remediation absolutely well, it's a great it's a great tip and it's one of those things that i think people probably don't even consider if they don't know what they're looking for they, they won't know what the problem is right um and sure. anytime you have moisture in your attic the condensation water it's it is a, a problem you know whether you're um you've got mold developing in your anywhere in your home, it can be an issue, um, especially when it comes time to buy or sell. Yeah, and that's, that's the time when it's probably gonna get 
found out, but um, might be too late at that point, right? That's that's I when. Am- uh, it's it's a little too late at that point. So I have said uh, several times on this uh, on this show, on a cold, cold, wintry day, open up your scuttle, pop your head in there with a heavy-duty bright flashlight, and look around. Look at your sheathing. Look at your roofing nails. And if there's ice on it, call call a uh, roofing professional and get get your ventilation dealt with. Otherwise, when it comes to sell or, or if rise goes in there you know, to do an energy on it, you're going to need somebody like me. Do some more. And uh, if they do go up there and they see that, um, that's, it, that's, seems like that's the right time to uh, call you up, get a, a professional, but also get some help with properly, um, you know, insulating and, and really repairing that. roof structure yeah be happy to absolutely so hey uh dan if somebody's interested in learning more about this they've got questions about um their attic their home whatever it might be what's the best way for them to get in touch with you uh give me a call i answer pretty much seven days a week 401-871-3335 and i'll be happy to go over there and do a no charge inspection for you Beautiful. Dan Anderson from Green Home Solutions. Dan, thank you for joining the show. Wealth and knowledge as always. And um, look forward to crossing paths with you again soon and tuning into your segments with Emilio in the future. Now back to the Despirito Team Real Estate Show on News Radio 920 and 1047 FM. Also available as a podcast on iHeartRadio. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. This is John LaPointe filling in for Emilio Despirito today. This is the Despirito Team Real Estate Show. This is your show for our loyal listeners in the great state of Rhode Island and surrounding areas where we talk about all things real estate, buying, selling, investing, you name it. And um, we've got an awesome group of professionals and guests on the show. Today, we have Mike Auger from Patriots Property Inspectors, uh, Inspection. Sorry, Mike, thank you for joining the show. It's uh, good to have you on as always. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Absolutely. So, uh, well, it's good to hear your voice and um, thanks for jumping on the show. I know we've got a great topic to jump into here and um, let's talk a little bit about it. It's tips on what to do about deficiencies in the home inspection. So uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Mike, but this is when somebody hires you to go out and do the inspection, they're looking at buying this home and, okay, there's a list of things here that are uh, problematic and potentially you want them to be fixed or um, you know, want some sort of credit from the seller in order to get them fixed. Right. So, I mean, the first thing before we even get to the home inspection, and this is for all of the realtors that are out there listening to the show, and hopefully there's a lot of you guys out there, is, um, you know, you got to manage the expectations for the buyer. A lot of buyers don't know what happens during a home inspection. And one of the biggest questions that we get asked once we're a few minutes in or a half an hour into the inspection by the buyer is, well, we're going to get the sellers to fix all this stuff, right? Well, not necessarily. You have to understand that every defect that we come across has its own kind of dynamic, if you will. So if we're inspecting brand new construction, yeah, the seller's going to fix everything because you're buying a brand new house and everything should be perfect. Great. 
But if you're buying a used house, which is a house that somebody has lived in for any period of time, could be five years, 10 years, heck, it could be 200 years. Um, there's a certain amount of items that are generally considered normal wear and tear that we will probably still identify uh, and, and even identify them as defects. But you can't really expect that you're going to be taking in a perfect house when you buy a house that's older. So as a, as a real estate professional and you get your buyer calling around home inspectors and making appointments for us to come in, the first thing that they need to do is manage that expectation. Look, you're going to bring in a guy. His job is to rip apart that house, go through it, every nook and cranny, tell you all the conditions of everything, mostly all the stuff that's broken. And there's going to be a 50 or 60 or 70 page report that's going to list all the stuff that's broken with the house. After that, then you and your client, if you're the realtor, can discuss things and some things you probably will get repaired or get negotiated. So understand everything ain't going to get fixed. And B, everything ain't going to get fixed by the people selling the house in almost every case. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I think it's a great topic and just good perspective on it because I, I agree. And, you know, on the insurance end, I end up getting calls and uh, questions about stuff after somebody buys a house all the time. And, uh, you know, a lot of them are, are maintenance things. And, and their first thing is, you know, saying, oh, well, you know, X, Y, Z went wrong with, with the home, right? There's some sort of, whether it's a water damage issue or they tore up the carpet and saw that there was, you know, damage to the flooring underneath the carpet or like any number of things. And their first thing is, you know, oh, well, you know, I didn't expect this to happen. This is, you know, something that they're looking to file an insurance claim on it. And unfortunately I'm, you know, coming in telling them, probably, you know, probably not the case, you know, insurance, like much like talking about, you know, life insurance, when you're got a pre-existing health condition or something, you know, a, a buying a home when there's a pre-existing condition to the home, insurance isn't really going to be the great remedy for it. And, um, you know, even if your inspector does see something, I know you can't see absolutely everything. Uh, at the end of the day, like, you're buying a home that is used and, and there's a certain level of expectation that you have to have of doing some maintenance to that home after you buy it. There's certain things you're just going to have to do on your own, you know? Oh yeah. You, you are, you are hundred percent correct on that. And, and, and a little far afield from the topic, but this is also interesting. So maybe we just go this way with it. Um, we get calls from people that we did a home inspection for sometimes years ago and they'll be telling us, Hey, you did our home inspection and uh, you know, the roof is leaky. So, um, you know, we, we feel like you missed it and we want, uh, we want you to, to make good on this and uh, our insurance company won't, won't do a claim on it. And I'll go back and review the report. And I'm like, the report says you've got shingles that have already flown off the roof. The roof is beyond its lifespan, even though it's not leaking plan to replace it soon. Well, when you buy the house, if you, if you listen to what we said, um, plan to replace it soon or shingles are failing means you have to fix that roof. You, you know, as a homeowner, you've got some responsibility to now maintain your home and you can't just let it, you know, literally rot away and then expect your insurance company to come bail you out. The insurance company, their job is not to maintain your home. Their job is if something happens to a properly maintained home, then certainly there are coverages that, that might be able to kind of help make you whole again. But it's not just I can let my house go and put in a claim whenever. Exactly. You know, and um, agree. I don't, I don't want to take, you know, go straight too far away from the topic, but it is something that I, I always get the question. And, and um, I know that, you know, 
home inspectors think the same way that we do, you know, and, and you know, you're going to come up with a list of things that are wrong with the home, but not everything's going to get fixed. And the expectation is that the owner, you know, buying that home, it knows about it and is, you know, going to do what they can to maintain their home. Yeah. That's my, you stole the, the words right out of my mouth. Insurance is not a maintenance policy. It's for accidents, you know, <laughs> no, um, it, it really isn't. But yeah, we get that all the time, you know, and anytime there's like the slightest windstorm or whatever, anybody who's uh, had a roof that's nearing the end of its life is, uh, you know, they're, they're, there's contractors out there, there's people, you know, telling them in their ear saying, you know, insurance could pay for this, you know, that, you know even though your shingles are 35 years old and one of, one of them just blew off in the storm, you could probably file a claim and get a whole new roof, you know, and, uh, well, it, it, insurance companies are going to investigate those things kind of closely. So um, anyways, back to your original topic, uh, some of these deficiencies in your home inspection, I, I have a question for you, Mike, what are some of yeah. the things, what are like some of the big things that, you know, you're going to, like you said, 60 page report, all this stuff. A lot of that's wear and tear. Some of it might be more important. What are the, some of the things in, in your mind that you think are worth it for a buyer to negotiate with the seller on? Okay, so um, it, it falls into you know, a group of a few categories, and I can give you some examples. So an item that is normal wear and tear, again, is not something that generally you negotiate. Now, an item that is expensive and a surprise and not originally disclosed now that's a potential candidate to, to try to negotiate with the seller. And that could be asking them to make a repair for you or a financial concession, like a price reduction or a credit at closing in some cases, something like that. If the item falls into one of these categories, if the item is expensive and it makes it impossible for you to insure your house, impossible for you to finance the house because some defects will affect your ability to get a loan, um, it makes it to where you cannot maintain the house uh, or it, it creates a, uh, a risk of personal injury or, or more significant damage to other components of the house. Those are the things I like to tell people that's, that's your, your sweet spot. So if it falls into one of those categories, then it's something that you really should be considering trying to negotiate. For example, um, buyers that are financing through like an FHA or a VA loan, um, those appraisers are going to look at the roof and in the appraiser's opinion, if that roof has less than two years left in its life, they won't give you the loan. Well, okay. Right. If the roof is old, you can't buy that house because your money's not going to come through. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Um, right. The financing if, if they, won't allow it. Right. And, and your insurance company, if I look at the thing and, and you could speak to this more, um, if I tell you, yeah, we have a, uh, a three tab shingle roof that's supposed to last about 20, 25 years. And I'm estimating that the age of that roof is 42 years old. Your insurer, when you submit that information to them to get a binder, might be like, yeah, no, we need a newer roof on that. Because the insurance company doesn't want to insure a house that's literally leaking. That's no good. Exactly. Um, no, it's, it's a claim waiting <laughs> to happen. It, it is. And I tell people all the time that I'll, I can look at the listing and see the pictures. And I, I know when, when and when not, the, you know, the roof is going to be an issue. And, and usually my first question is, is just that, like, hey, did you know? Did you get an idea of how old the roof is? Did you get an idea of the condition of it? And if it's not in great condition, do you have plans to replace it, or is the seller? And a lot of times, the seller, you know, is they they're telling them, oh yeah, the the seller is actually going to give us a credit. We're replacing it right after we buy the home. 
beautiful or they're replacing it um, or the listing photos are old. They actually just put a new roof on as part of the negotiations. Like those are all, those are the things that as an insurance company, I want to hear because yeah, um, it can make it really difficult to insure your home or we can insure it. And then the insurance company is going to send their inspector out and they're going to say, Hey, we're going to cancel your policy. This, you know, this roof is not good. Right. I mean, the insurance companies, the past, I don't know, probably five to eight years have been doing a lot more. Uh, I believe they call it the risk assessment where they send the guy out for like the five, 10 minute walkthrough. And that's uh, correct. They're looking, they're looking for, you know, uh, you know, high likelihood of claim things, missing handrails, safety issues, uh, you know, all that stuff. And so the insurance company, no offense, will send you a nasty gram that says we need this condition corrected if you'd like to keep insurance with us because we're not going to let you neglectfully make a claim. And that, that happens. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, I, every agent has their own way of handling those, those nasty grams and stuff. And we, you know, I always try and get out in front of it and explain the situation, but really it's, it's more about educating people up front, you know, and, and that's a conversation we always have is like, look, if there's certain things like major, you know, concerns that are coming up on your pre-purchase residential home inspection, there's a good chance that the insurance company is going to be concerned with that too, you know? And um, one of the things that this leads me to is question for you, Mike, what about like knob and tube wiring? Uh, when you're inspecting a home that you see that in there, I'm assuming that that always makes its way on the report, but is that something you would say, you know, clients should uh, talk to the seller about having that, you know, some work done on that to replace the, the wiring if there is knob and tube wiring in the home? Yeah, well, that's that that does come up. We have a lot of older homes in Rhode Island. That's generally going to come up with a house built usually in the 1930s or older. Okay, and um, it's you know uh, a lot of insurance companies aren't going to recommend that you remove all the knob and tube wiring because nobody's asking you got the house. But the stuff that's visible, we do test it, and if it if it comes back as energized, then there are some things that can make that dangerous so we usually recommend that the visible stuff be replaced with with modern wiring um it's it's i mean letter of the law i I have an electrical engineering background it's not dangerous to have it in there and energized but but you know under certain conditions people can accidentally overload it um it is meant to be air-cooled wiring so sometimes it gets covered with insulation which can make it overheat and under those conditions it does increase the chance of having a fire so for those reasons, we usually recommend getting rid of the visible stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, some it's insurance one companies of those do things too. I've heard. It. Yeah, I, no, of course. And that's the thing. A lot of insurance companies, if they find it there, they're, they're going to recommend that it either be removed or, you know, hire a contractor to evaluate, evaluate its safety, um, any number of things just to kind of look at it because they're afraid of the potential of a fire, you know, because of that. And um, I've heard it before from other people too, that in general, you know, if it's like anything else with the way homes were built in the old days, you know, knob and tube wiring, uh, you know, different types of construction, you name it, homes were built differently in the past. If it was done right, it can last a long time and it can still be very safe. But if not, that's where the issues can come up. So, um, you know, it's, those are the kinds of questions that we get all the time. And it's good to know that, you know, people at least see it on the inspection and and know about it because then when we're asking those questions, they actually know what they're, what we're talking about. Yeah. I mean, again, it comes up in um, a lot of times that is one of the items that does get negotiated. And I know, you know, every underwriter is a little bit different. Some underwriters 
will not write a policy if there's visible energized knob and tube wiring. I know this, and and some of them may be a little bit more lenient. Um, and that's just that just goes from company to company, I suppose. Yeah, it does. Um, but, yeah, and we, we it, deal it, with it uh, all of them. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so as, aside from that, what are some of the things you would say are um, like when we're talking wear and tear, what are the things that uh, that comes down to? Is it just kind of like, you know, dings and scratches and dents in the walls and things like that or, or, uh, or what? When you're talking like things that just yeah, you're going to see it on the inspection, but it, it's just not worth negotiating. You know, the, the, the other realtors and their client is going to look at it and say, you know, no chance. Right. Yeah. So things, things that come up and you know, that, that people tend to, you know, I call it kind of like the nitpicky requests, like, all right. Like if you have some windows that, you know, you're buying a house, original windows, houses from 1980, some of the thermal seals might be starting to fail. So the windows are fogging or some of the doors kind of rub or, 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 um, or don't latch real smooth, things like that still make the report because they're items that are technically not functioning the way they're intended, but it doesn't really affect the value of the house. It's not a safety concern. It's not going to hurt anybody. And, um, and it's not going to ruin other stuff if you leave it that way. Um, so like those kinds of things, um, they're technically wrong, but not really the end of the world you know, dings in vinyl siding, some shingles on the outside, if it's wood siding that are starting to lift a little bit, but still have a lot of life left in them. Those are kind of your wear and tear items that are, you know, those are items you should expect that a seller is not going to want to negotiate that stuff. Um, Other things, you know, if they disclose things, they're not going to want to negotiate something they disclose. So let's just say, for example, they give you a very detailed disclosure. The seller gives that to the buyer and it says heating system is original to the house. So you're buying a house that's made in 1960. Well, they did just go ahead and tell you that that heating system is now going to be like 61 years old. Um, right. They're not, if it's, if it's working, they're not going to want to negotiate a new heating system because it's functioning because they told you it was old, even though your inspector is going to say, Hey, that type of heating system might last like 40 years on average it's probably, you know, beyond its design lifespan or some language like that, we recommend planning for replacement, which I would write on a 60-year-old boiler. But if they told you that, even though it's old, even though your inspector's telling you that you're going to need to replace it soon, you knew that condition basically when you made your offer. So that kind of is off the table. Right. Those are the things that if you know about it up front, if they disclose it, you should be putting that in your offer up front. Right. You should be yeah. saying, okay, well, we saw the disclosures, this, you know, the heating system is 60 years old. So we're going to put in an offer at this. Plus we want you to replace the heating system or we're going to make right. an offer at this knowing that we will have to replace the heating system. Exactly. And if, if that offer can't go from right there, then what are we doing? Spending money on home inspection. Right. If that right. right there is a deal break. You know exactly. what I mean? That- <laughs> yeah. And this so is a, yeah, this brings me to a question I have for you is, is do you do a lot of pre-list home inspections um, to, to help sellers and in, in, in a way kind of alleviates a lot of the issues when a lot of this stuff can be disclosed up front? We, we do actually. Um, it's, it's about, I mean, 90% of our business is buyers for sure, but we do uh, a fair amount of pre-list inspections and uh, you know, we do the same thing that we would do for a potential buyer for the seller and give them the same exact report 
same detail, everything like that. And then at that point, the seller can say, okay, these items we're going to disclose because we don't think they affect the value of the house at all, but we're just going to disclose it. So we don't have to renegotiate a whole bunch of these little things. Um, right. Some of these other things are going to narrow down our pool of buyers because they're, they're going to maybe uh, eliminate, you know, FHA buyers. There's a ton of FHA buyers out there because it's a small down payment. There should be. So totally. um, things like missing handrails and old roof and, and paint that's a little beat up on the outside of the house starting to peel those items. Um, you may want to address that because you want as many buyers looking at your house as you can. So you don't want to take whatever percentage of the buyers are FHA buyers out of them, out of the equation by, by not cleaning up some of those things. And for the most part, they're smaller things. Um, and then some things might be kind of like deal breaker issues. Maybe you don't go into your attic, but it turns out there's uh, you know, there's, there's asbestos in a dangerous condition or mold up there or something like that. These things are going to be a deal breaker potentially for a lot of buyers. So they're items that you want to look into either remedying or making sure you disclose before you get to that home inspection and have your deal fall apart. Super smart. And um, so. yeah, it's a, it's a great idea. So I, I, I appreciate it, man. And I know we're uh, coming up at the end here. So I just want to say uh, thanks again for joining Mike. I, I appreciate you as always, just such a wealth of knowledge. I always pick up something new when talking to you. And um, if anybody has questions for you or, or they're interested in, in um, using your services for a, a pre-list or a, a home inspection while they're looking at a property they want to buy, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Uh, the best way is just go to the website. It's homeinspectorri.com. My cell phone number's on there. There's a form you can fill out that pops up for, um, for, for a quote. So you can, you can get some pricing information electronically that way. So that's the best way. There's also a lot of good information on the website in general that you can just kind of look through. Beautiful. Hey, thanks again, as always, Mike. I appreciate it and uh, hope you have a great rest of your day. Mike Auger from Patriots Property Inspectors. Now back to the Despirito Team Real Estate Show on News Radio 920 and 104.7 FM. Also available as a podcast on iHeartRadio. So you can see what's going on. What's going on? What's going on? What's going on? Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is the Despirito team real estate show. This is John LaPointe filling in for Emilio today. And we have one of my favorite segments right now. We have Jen Jaber from RI Blogger. Jen, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, um, well, let's hear it. I, I hear that we have the uh, end of January top five events in the state of Rhode Island. So let's jump right in when you're ready. All right. And luckily, some of these just continue through the winter. Um, but Excitingly, the cold weather has officially set in. So Yagu is open for skiing, snowboarding, and snow tubing. Um, I've got my tickets for next week. So it's a little different this year. You have to log on, choose your session, and make sure tickets are available. So it's something you want to do in advance this year. You can't just show up anymore. Um, but there's still rentals available. They're still doing private lessons, and they're doing group lessons. But I think those, um, again, you have to sign up in advance for. But it's exciting because it's a good thing to get outside and um, get some winter sports going. Absolutely. It's a great event. Um, it's a great thing to do during these times, right? To be able to get outside and uh, enjoy the great outdoors right here in our home state. So Absolutely. Cool. And, and check their website for conditions because they change, obviously. 
Um, again, you can enjoy this weekend brunch by the sea um, at Windjammers in Westerly. It's all through the winter, all January, all February, Saturdays and Sundays from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Um, you can sit inside, but you can also sit outside if you're more comfortable outside. They have a heated patio situation going on, and um, their menu is traditional brunch menu with some specials. So again, that's all winter long. Um, if you're looking to get out and see some live music, the Senders will be at Renegades in Warwick, June 23rd. At, June, wow. I wish. <laughs> January. <laughs> and my mind on the summer and the beach. That's um, right. <laughs> January 23rd and January 24th. It's at 7 on Saturday and at 4 on Sunday. Um, reservations are required. So you can text 497-5280. for a one area code um, to make your reservation. And the Contemporary Theater is returning virtually January, starting January 28th, which is with Wakefield Idol, which is like American Idol, but it's for um, Rhode Islanders. And it's six weeks of virtual shows to narrow down a single Wakefield Idol champion. Um, you can tune in each week at seven on Thursdays um, to support your local favorite singers. So it's fun. Nice. I, w I was in the uh, talent show in high school, so it's that's right up my alley. Oh, yeah. So maybe <laughs> you should do this. There might be time to still get Oh, wow. In. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, and last but not least, if you're looking to get some at-home workouts in, Bristol Parks and Rec uh, Center offering Zoom online class fitness programs every single day. Um, there's different classes. There's yoga fit, power yoga, Pilates, circuit core, bar fusion, hit classes, Zumba, and much more. Um, we have the most current schedule up on the events, but it changes every week and every month. So you can just pop in and see what's going on if you want to get fit at home. Nice. Awesome. I, um, I appreciate you coming with these events and things to do all the time. And especially now, you know, when I, I feel like people are more than ever looking for just something to do, right? I've been, uh, well, we're coming up on, yeah, we're coming up on almost a year and, uh, I've, I've, you know, haven't been on various levels of lockdown and whatnot. And, um, you know, any, anybody who's listening to the show, tuning in, RI Blogger is an awesome resource for finding things to do, get the kids out of the house, um, take some time for yourself, whatever it is, but things to do that there are things going on in the state of Rhode Island. There's ways to stay connected with our community and um, stay active and, and doing stuff. So I really appreciate it. It's always, you know, a, a fun to have you on the show when I have an opportunity to host and um, hear about this stuff too. But just good ideas. Cause I'm always thinking, you know, when I'm not working, what, what else is there to do? You know, <laughs> I know it's true. It's true. Well, good. I'm glad to hear that. Hopefully Absolutely. We get out more. <laughs> Likewise. So uh, thanks Jen for joining us. Jen Jaber from RI blogger. I'm looking forward to seeing you on the next segment soon. Thanks. Have a great week. Thanks. You too.